I believe he has a very, very special word for us here today. So do me a great big favor. Would you all stand to your feet, stand to your feet, and let's give Pastor Scott Hornsby a very big, come on, Revolution Church, well, come on, come on, Pastor Scott. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. You know, uh, I was thinking about uh, your pastor, and uh, we met four years ago in Jacksonville, and we there were some breakout sessions, and I was doing one under a tent, and uh, so after the breakout session, uh, he and I began to talk. Actually, we were the only two left in the tent, and. uh, we had a great conversation. It was like a having an immediate hookup with somebody. You know how someone you just, you just that's it. This, is a, this is, could be and should be a lifelong relationship with one another. And then we just kept to get, uh, hearing from one another, talking to one, for, to one another. And we talked about this church, rebirthing the church here in uh, wherever I am, Troy, Detroit. I'm somewhere, but yeah, Motown. Yeah, I like that. And, uh, and then when I got off the plane, got in the car uh, Friday, I, I looked at him. I said, Pastor Dino, here I am. We did it. It did it. It happened, man. And so, uh, yeah, yes, amen. I just thought that uh, what you planned and then God has this perfect timing when he gets people together. And uh, I'm thinking during the worship service, I, I'm just going to bounce around for a second here. I was just thinking doing a worship service, no, do not despise small beginnings. And you guys already have something going on that's tremendous, believe me. You know that you guys are part of an organization called the ARC, Association of Related Churches. That's who you guys came through, through ARC, and then your, in your planning and your scheduling and all those kinds of things, and your training, some of the training that, uh, that you have today. Today... This church, Revolution Church, is planning 19 brand new churches across America. You're doing that. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap that you're involved in that. You know, almost 20 years ago, we started the ark. There was uh, six of us. It was me, my brother, uh, Pastor Dino Rizzo, my nephew, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, Pastor Greg Surratt, and... uh, uh, we started in my church. We met for two days, and we started kind of hammering out what we'd like the art to look like. We wanted to plant churches. And so uh, 20 years later, we're over 900 churches, and now we're worldwide. We're ARC Ireland, ARC Australia, ARC New Zealand, ARC South Africa, ARC Canada, and, of course, ARC United States. It's amazing what happened. And it really was if you don't mind me saying, the Holy Ghost that did all that for us, man. And so, uh, but greetings from South Louisiana, home of the best food you'll ever eat in your life, <laughs> home of our church, Fellowship Church, and home of the national champions, the LSU Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I had to put that in there, you know. You know, we got some great food down there. We have Boudin, you know what that is? Boudin and Kush Kush and uh, Jambalaya, crawfish pie, fili gumbo, etouffee. If you ever eat that, you'll feel like heaven is real. Heaven, that's what you're going to eat in heaven, matter of fact. 
It's just Cajun food because you don't have to worry about it. You, you, of course, if you'll kill, you'll die young, but it doesn't matter. You'll be happy. It's, my wife and I, I, my wife's name is Marianne. We've been married for 51 years. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had three children. Uh, my oldest son is Buck, and then my son, Star, he is the pastor of the church now that I pastored for 33 years, doing a marvelous job. And then my daughter, Mary Jane. And uh, so Buck, Star, Starbucks. Starbucks. I ought to sue those people. They forgot my kids' name. And so we ha I have 10 grandkids and two great-granddaughters. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody said, how do you get granddaughters? Just keep breathing. You'll get them, you know. But I'm thrilled to be here. I just adore Pastor Dino and Jeannie. I, I, they're just absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I, they're awesome. I meet people all over the world, man, and I just see something very, very special. I mean, I don't want to just flow. You know, when I pulled up in the parking lot and I saw a walking toward the church and I walked in the building, and I don't say this everywhere I go, but I just felt like, God, there's something up here. There's something different. And I wasn't expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but when I, I felt like, man, the Holy Spirit is in here, there's an anointing. I came in during the worship. I'm sorry I was a little bit late, but we were trying to get out and to check out of the hotel. But, man, I, you just don't really, maybe you don't realize that sometimes I think we take what God is doing for granted. But, listen, I travel in a lot of churches. I, I can just name you a bunch of them I'm getting ready to go to. But there's something different, something special here at Revolution Church. I really, I don't, I'm not kidding. I'll tell you, really, I believe that with all my heart. But anyway, greetings from everybody and greetings from the ark. Um, I want to deposit something today. I want to give you something today. Uh, we say words and we use words, and sometimes they just become words. They're just that we forget the meanings that behind of, of the things that we're talking about. But I, I learned something a long time ago how to live in a certain place in God. Not that I'm special, although I am God's favorite kid. And uh, you, you got to claim some things, you know what I mean? And so, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that there's something that was deposited in my life that has given me such a... A sense of overcoming and victory when things didn't look so great, you know, when things weren't good. And we've all faced our trials and our struggles and one thing after another. And, you know, we don't live in heaven right now. We live on this planet. And that's why you have the Word of God. You have worship. You have church. You have fellowship. You have all those things combined together because God knew that we have an enemy that we have to fight. But he is a defeated enemy, and you're going to win this thing. Come on, somebody. So let's pray, and let me just jump right in it, because I only have about uh, maybe 25, 30 minutes, but I, that's long enough. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for what you're doing in this church today, Father. Holy Ghost, you do your job now. I ask you to help me plant something in all of our lives that will follow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. So I want to share something with you today. Uh, I think it's biblically supernatural. I think it's a revelation. 
And you know, when you, you can hear certain things, but when you become something that's revealed to you, it's something that you didn't really know, then all of a sudden you know, and truth has a way of setting you free, right? And so this is something I, I like to kind of maybe uh, swim on the side of the pool where the supernatural of God is in the deep end of the pool, you know. And this particular revelation that I've kind of nurtured in my life has influenced and shaped my life and my family's life and my church life and my ministry life. And so I totally depend on the Holy Spirit to do what he does that I can't do. Let me ask you a question. How would you like to be blessed supernaturally in every, every area of your life? Your finances, your health, your relationships, your, your emotions, your health. Uh, just have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And sense God's presence around you. When I was praying this morning before the service, I like to pray a particular prayer that uh, I need before I go to the pulpit. And I just all of a sudden just start sensing the presence of God. And when, once you get into the presence of God, there's nothing like that. I mean, just, it's like you, it's, you just got to have it. You long for it. Well, this is, gives you the, not only those blessings, but victory over your flesh and victory over the devil. And uh, you can walk in this power if you want to. It's the power, it's, I, I like to put it like this, the supernatural power of the blessing of God. And we start off the service today, you, you start saying, I'm highly blessed, I'm favored, and all those kinds of things. And those are good words, but a lot of times we don't understand exactly what those words actually mean, where they came from, and what's the deep meaning inside of it, and how God wants you to know what you got. Because it is something very special. Uh, the secret of the supernatural blessing of God. This is something the Jewish people have practiced from the time of Abraham. They understand that there's a blessing that goes with God. But I believe sometimes, because we have a lot of cliches in our lives, and by the way, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Uh, we, we say these words, and in the Christian church, I think sometimes we forget the meanings of what it really is. What it is to really be blessed. And uh, I mean, or we just say, you know, maybe when you sneeze, tell somebody, God bless you. But we don't know when we loose that blessing how important it is. It reminds me of a story about some Cajuns down in South Louisiana. You know, we have Cajuns down there. Cajun is a person that will eat anything that lives in a ditch, you know. And, um, and they got some real famous Cajuns down there. One's named Boudreaux and one is named Thibodeau. And everybody knows Boudreaux and Thibodeau. So uh, Boudreaux was working for his, his, this man, and he paid him with a check. And so Boudreaux, so he didn't know what a check was. He said, what's that? And he said, that's a check. He said, what do you do with a check? He didn't know. He said, you take the check to the bank, they give you some money. Boudreaux said, I like that. So he got in his P-Row, went down the bayou, went to the bank, walked up the hill, went inside the bank, put the money down in front of the teller. He said, give me my money. So Boudreaux, you got to sign the back of the check. He said, I'm not signing the back of the check. He said, Boudreaux, if you don't sign the back of the check, I can't give you the money. He said, my boss man told me to give you the check, you'd give me the money. And the guy said, I can't do that. So Boudreaux just picked the check up, got his P-Row, went across the bayou to another bank. He walked in, he saw the teller, did the same thing, put the check down, told the teller to give him his money. The teller said, Boudreaux, you got to sign the check. 
He said, I'm not signing the back of the check. He said, you got to sign the check, back of the check. I can't give you the money. They started arguing, so the teller reached up and grabbed Boudreaux and started slapping him around. He said, Boudreaux, signed the back of the check. So Boudreaux signed it, got his money. Went back to the first bank. He had that money. He said, hey, I got my money. He said, what'd you do? He said, I gave it to the teller. I signed the back of the check. He gave him my money. He said, that's what I told you to do. He said, you, you didn't explain it like he explained it. <laughs> so I'm going to explain it to you today. We like to say down in South Louisiana, I'm going to put a little bit more butter on your grits, you know. You know, the Bible has a lot of just practical applications that you can apply to your life. And your lives will get better, you know. It'll tell you how to eat. It'll tell you how to gain wealth. It'll tell you how to prosper in God. It'll tell you how to have a great marriage, how to raise your children. Just manage your life in general. They're just practical things that you can just do. And uh, instructions and applications and parables that Jesus spent a lot of time teaching with parables. He said if you do this, and he would use examples that you and I would know. Uh, we teach uh, at the ark when we train pastors, we teach them systems and principles like growth track and all the things that you guys do. And uh, if they follow those principles, but they work. But everyone needs, I believe, something far greater than just the principles, which you need the principles, but you need the supernatural thread of the power of God running through your life. And I'll tell you, it is imperative that we have God's supernatural power, the interventions of God, unexplainable events, uh, events because of the reason of your faith that you believe in God for something, when you will not let go until God answers. I put it like this. When the four principles of the five steps and the seven keys in the book you just read ain't working for you, we need a touch from God. You know, in my ministry, my whole life, there were certain things that we can do because we're talented, we're educated, we, under certain, we understand certain things. But in every area of my life, every building that we've ever built, and we've built four buildings, and the land that we purchased, and all that we've done, and all the, try, the things we tried to do, we needed God's supernatural witness in our life that if he didn't do it, it was not going to happen. Every time we bought a piece of property, we never could afford it. I'm telling you, we couldn't. That wasn't going to happen. They turned us down. All of these things and through prayer and doing all the things we needed to do, all of a sudden the supernatural presence of God would flow in that part of our lives. And so I look toward what I can do. I, I don't need God to do everything for me. I can change a light bulb, you know. I mean, back when we first got saved, back in the charismatic day, I mean, we were rebuking devils out of canned goods and everything else, you know. You know, you run out of gas and start praying, God, fill this tank. No, go to the Exxon and put some gas in your car. That's how that works. But there is a blessing. There's a supernatural part that you and I can walk in God. And I know it. And I have felt it. And I've needed it in my life. The power and the purpose of the blessing. Let me walk through a few verses with you that you probably are familiar with that will kind of help us kind of set this into order. I like to live under the favor of God's favor. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, very familiar verses. Today, he says, I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. And I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life 
Look at God's heart. That you, that, that you and your descendants might live. Choose to love the Lord your God and to obey him and commit yourselves to him, for he is your life. Then you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The blessing, the importation of the power and favor of God given to you by delegated authority. That could be a parent. That could be a pastor. Delegated authority. Things would happen in my life. My daughter, Mary Jane, she would say, Daddy, you lucky. I said, no, baby, Daddy's not lucky. Let me explain to you. Your daddy's blessed. There's a big difference between you lucky and blessed. No, I'm blessed. And let me explain. So I was able to talk to her about it. You know, the blessing has a history behind it. You know, the first thing that God did in the whole Bible was to bless. He released supernatural power and favor. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. How I many you know that's exactly what they did? They walked in the blessing. Genesis 1, and God created man in verse 28, and God blessed him. You saw, watch the heart of God. From Genesis, he's starting, to, he's starting to bring the church to a place that they, he wants them to think about something that's beyond natural living, that's their supernatural existence with God. And uh, in Genesis, uh, uh, the second blessing is in Genesis chapter 12. He said, blessing, this blessing, God said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. Then God instructed Moses to bless the children of Israel. You know that blessing. Then the Lord said to Moses, I, I, and then he told Aaron, and then Aaron said, may that the Lord bless you and protect you. you. A lot of people know these verses. And the Lord smile on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. And that's how he blessed the people. You ever wonder why Jewish people are so blessed? They live this blessing. Yom Kippur. They understand these blessings. And because of that, they've pro- you, you will never see a poor Jew. Never. Because they live under this blessing. Jesus, watch what he did. He started his public ministry with nine blessings. We call them the Beatitudes. They're in Matthew chapter 5. I won't read them all, but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And he goes through these nine blessings, nine powerful blessings that will shape the life and destiny of those who participate in them. If you live by those nine blessings right there, your whole life, your whole destiny can be shaped. I refuse to believe that we bump around on the planet like a pinball machine, a ball loose doing whatever it wants. I know when you discover your purpose, God will fulfill your destiny, and no devil in hell can stop you from fulfilling your destiny. I'm telling you what, buddy, God means business, and he tells the truth, amen? One time in the middle of a teaching, uh, Jesus was uh, uh, teaching a group of people and that were kids were in the audience and they start acting up. That's what kids do, right? And they tried to stop the kids and get the kids out of the church or wherever they were at. And Jesus said, no, bring them to me. And the Bible said he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. And then the last thing that Jesus did and while he was on the planet was in Luke 24. He said, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. 
The point is this. The first and last thing that Jesus did was to import the blessing. The Apostle Paul understood the power of the blessing. And every book that the Apostle Paul wrote, he started out with a divine blessing. The Romans, he says, I, and he begins to write to the Romans, I bless you, Galatians. And he goes through the whole parts of the New Testament, which he writ, wrote most of it, and he starts out with the blessing upon their lives. There was something to it. It's not coincidental. It's something that God wants us to walk in, understand. It should, it should just be like our daily understanding that I'm blessed by God. Amen. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. Listen to what he told them. He said, that they were, he said You're good. you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And at the point in time when Jesus told them they were filled with imperfections, in unbelief, Peter actually denied the Lord, but they became the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The point is they rose to the, the level of the blessing that Jesus spoke over them. You getting this, parents? Your kids will rise, rise, be risen up to the blessing you speak over them. You saw, but sometimes in America we call them knuckleheads and everything else. And I hadn't always been perfect with this myself, you know. But when you learn how to bless your children, the Jewish people know how to do this. And then, I'm not saying you don't have to discipline them, but you got to be careful what you speak over them. And you got to be careful what people speak over you. I'm going to stay blessed. He shaped the destiny of the disciples by the power of the, of the blessing. They understood the power of blessings. I understood that as kids. You can shape your children's destiny by praying over them the power of the blessing of God and God's favor over their lives. Every father in this room, you are the spiritual authority in your house. And I'm telling you something, in your home, you can speak the blessing over your children and you can shape their destinies. The moment you begin to speak over them, watch what happens. Prosperity, protection, health, the anointing, angels guarding them and protecting them. I have a son that's 49 years old. His name is Buck. We call him Big Buck. And we were in Las Vegas at an art convention. I'm praying the blood of Jesus every night. Look, every, I go to bed and I'm saying, Lord, I ask you to bless my family. I name my kids. I name my grandkids. I name my two granddaughters, great-granddaughters. I name my wife. I name our church. And any pe person that will come into my mind, I begin to pray this over them, the blood of Jesus and the blessing of God, because I know there's protection within, there's prosperity, and it's all the things that's wrapped up in God, is wrapped up in my whoever I'm praying for. Come on. Then I pray for myself. God bless me. Don't forget me. <laughs> We're in Las Vegas at this conference with Ark. We'd just gotten there that night. I get a call from my second son, Star. Daddy, Buck's been shot. Somebody shot Buck. There was a guy in our community in where we live. It's in the country, and there's nothing like that ever happens. But we had some maniac that already had killed one guy, walked up in his driveway and shot him and killed him. About a week later, my son is jogging in front of his property. This guy stops on the side of the road and shoots my son twice with a shotgun. And uh, pellets just covered one side of my son's body, and he took off running. And God spared and saved his life. And I'm telling you what, he should have killed him. But two weeks after he shot my son, he killed another guy. They couldn't catch this guy. A week and a half after he killed that other guy, he went and shot and killed another guy right down from my house. 
And then they caught the guy. But my son, and I believe this with everything that's within me. Come on. I have prayed the blood. I have pleaded the blood. I have prayed the I'm telling you, this works. It works now. I'm the blessing of God over my son. And my son's alive today. I thought about this the other day. I, I could have gone to his funeral. I could have. I, I just, there's no reason that he should have lived. But he did. And I think when you pray that prayer, you shape their destiny. Mm-hmm. You take charge over their physical and spiritual life and their emotional life. Listen, before my kids got married, when Big Buck got married, he was the first one to get married. Uh, I brought him back in the bedroom. I said, all right, Buck, close the door. And I laid hands on my son, and I prayed, I mean, a show-duff prayer, buddy. You know what I'm talking about? And he has lived out when I prayed over him. Then when my second son, Star, got married, I brought him back in the bedroom. I said, Star, are you ready? And they, they, listen, they understood this because since they were little bitty kids, I'm telling you, I laid hands on them every night and I prayed over them every night of their lives. And I could put my hand on the floor and they'd come put their head in my hand. I could hold it in the air like that. They'd get a chair so that they could put their head in my hand. And then when it was time for Star to get married, I brought him into my bedroom. And by the way, you may think, oh, man, I didn't do that. So it's never too late. Start right now, man. Come on. Uh, it ain't too late. And the devil said, well, you done missed out. No, you didn't miss out. God, I'm here to tell you. That's why I came. And so, uh, Star, I laid hands on him and prayed for him. I never called him daddy's little preacher or nothing like that. And then one day my son, second son, grew up. And now he's pastoring the church. And the church has exploded. He's doing fantastic. And then my daughter got married. Now, that's special when your daughter gets married. Because you don't like the guy she marries anyway. <laughs> You kind of like him, but, you know, you, you give him the I'm going to kill you talk if you touch her. <laughs> I'm in Lu Hey, I'm up here. Here, I'm living in Louisiana, man. Come on. So we were at the church, and I laid hands on my daughter, and somehow somebody took a picture, and I prayed over my daughter. And even though they've gone through the things in their lives and raising their families and all those kinds of things, let me tell you something. Those prayer blessings have followed them all the days of their life. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, somebody. Jewish parents know this. They have what they call uh, when a child, one of their sons is 13, a bar mitzvah. And at this bar mitzvah, they present them before the congregation. If it's a girl, it's a bat mitzvah. And they pray these prayer blessings over their life. Listen to this. When Jacob was dying, he gathered his 12 sons around him, and he began to pray over them and bless them. And if you look through the Scripture, every one of his sons lived out exactly what he prayed over them. I mean, this is powerful. One of the greatest revivals in America took place in Pensacola, Florida. You remember that revival? I mean, uh, that revival went on for years, and I mean, thousands and thousands of people got saved and healed and delivered. All things were happening. All kind of great things were happening. And the pastor of the church, he attributed to three things, persistent prayer, weekly communion, and the prayer blessing. Prayer of blessing. Oh, I'm telling you, this, this works. This works. In Galatians chapter 3, check this out. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse 
for our wrongdoing. This is good now. The curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through the work of Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. And we Christians receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Jesus became the curse so that we could be blessed. It's the blessing of Calvary. The Bible teaches that when you lay your right hand on someone, that, was the, that symbolized the greater blessing. The left hand was the lesser blessing. So when a man would pray for his family, he'd pray for the oldest son first because he was supposed to deserve the greater blessing and then pray for the rest of the lesser blessing. But uh, hey, just bless me. I don't care where it comes in. Just bless me. You know what I mean? Watch, Jesus is set, sits at the right hand of the Father, the place of blessing. Now watch this. When Joseph grew up and he had his two children, Manasseh and Ephraim, he brought them to Jacob. And at this time, Jacob was blind. He couldn't see. So he wanted his daddy to pray for his grandsons that they would have the blessing. And when Jacob reached out, to bless his grandchildren, he put his right hand on Ephraim, the secondborn, and the left hand went to Manasseh, the, uh, the firstborn. And Joseph goes, no, Daddy, you got, you're messing this up. But he knew exactly what he was doing. What it was was the foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. Christ was the firstborn, the Bible said. He ascended to the right hand of the blessings of God, which is the greater blessing, but he didn't get it. He should have got it because he was the firstborn. At the cross, you remember when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was saying, I put my right hand on the blessing of blessing on Gentiles. And he said, people who had no name, people outside the covenant, strangers who had no right to come to the throne. He said, but today I'm giving them life everlasting and you I'm giving death. Watch this. I'm giving them health and healing. I'm giving you stripes on your back. I'm giving them mercy, and I'm going to put judgment on you, Jesus. He said, I'm going to take them, and I'm going to accept them, and I'm going to reject you. And from the moment he did that at the cross, when Jesus resurrected from the cross, every Gentile on earth can say, I am a son of Abraham, and all the blessings of Abraham go back thousands of years, and you can claim every one of them because we have been grafted in. Come on, somebody. Because of the blessing of Calvary. We didn't deserve it, but we got it. I got sick three years ago, had pneumonia. It turned into, it affected my liver, and I went through all this stuff that I didn't know I was supposed to die. When you're sick, you don't care. I mean, you're out of it. You don't have, I, I don't even remember people that came to see me. And uh, this, this doctor, uh, she's an outstanding surgeon, uh, said, look, uh, he needs a liver transplant. So I went to the Tulane Medical Center, and they started doing all these tests on me and all this stuff. And uh, they were, I was getting, and getting in line to get my name on this list so I could have a liver transplant. But I kept on believing God, and I kept trusting God. And I'm no hero. There are times, that, you know, my faith, I couldn't heal a gnat's wing, you know. <laughs> I got a little bit, and that's enough. 
But I remember uh, that as they were saying these things to me, during the operation, before I went to the Tulane medical thing, she, my lung had collapsed, my right lung and all this thing, and I couldn't breathe. And she, but during the uh, operation, the doctor looked at me, at the surgeon, and she was training some students, and she said, now this man is going to have to have a lot of rehab because his lungs collapsed, it's full of all this stuff. And all of a sudden, while she was talking, my lung went, boof, puff, it just puffed up like normal. She goes, that's not supposed to happen. He said, look at somebody and said, that, that ain't supposed to happen. Things that you need in your life, it ain't supposed to happen, but it's going to happen. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I get to the last part, and uh, there's a word in French called malaka. That word means like uh, your heart hurts, you got the blues. I was getting tired of two days of poking and prodding and all that stuff, you know? And so the liver specialist was going to meet with me, and I could give you this great story. And he gets this list out, and he starts telling me everything that's wrong with my liver. He starts out, what, you drink? I said, no, I don't drink, man. I'm a Christian. He goes, he, you know what he said? That's a shame. And I said, well, I don't think so. But anyway, uh, he goes, you, they say you have cirrhosis of the liver. I said, I, I, I say to him, yeah, I know that's what they say. I lost, uh, I got down to 164 pounds. I was I lost a lot of weight. I was weighing 225. But anyway, they said, no, you got this. He named eight things that I had wrong with my liver. And I'd say, yeah, I know. That's what they say. And I thought they think. He goes, what do you mean that's what they say? I said, that's what they say. He goes, puts the paper down. I said, what do you say? I say, I don't have any of that. He looked at me and said, all right, I believe that. That guy wasn't even saved. But you know what? They sent me a letter because I did not have it, and the letter said, Mr. Hornsby, you are not eligible for a liver transplant. You are too healthy. Come on, somebody. That's the blessing of God over you. Uh, I remember how God has been faithful to me. I used to be on radio, live radio, Christian radio. and Anyway, I'd have... Uh, witches and warlocks call me and put curses on me and say all this kinds of stuff to me. You're going to your kids. They've named my kids' name. We're going to drag their faces through the cold dew of the ground and all kind of crazy stuff. I just go, I rebuke you, you foul devil, and may the curse that you just put on me go right back to you. <laughs> Boy, they'd hang the phone up because in Proverbs says, you, you can't curse what God is blessed. Remember when Balaam tried to curse the armies of God? He couldn't do it. Balaam paid him money. Kept it. He said, you can't bless with God. You can't curse with God is blessed. When you bless, you bless. Ain't no devil can touch you. Listen to this. Proverbs says, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. So I don't care what they say. It can't come to rest on God's people. It's got to go through the blood. Let me give you four things that you can, how you can get it. You want to get it? Yes. You can have it. It's yours. I didn't, it didn't come from me, let me tell you. It comes from God himself. It's just the simplest thing in the world. The first thing you do and I, is that you got to believe it. Mark chapter 9 says, if you can believe, all things are possible. You get childlike faith, you just straight up believe it. I believe that. Other people say, you're crazy. Good. I believe it. If you will just take what God said, and that will settle it in your life, you'll see God start doing some things. Uh, 
The second thing, just you believe it, then you receive it. A lot of people have a problem receiving things from God. Some of them won't even ask God for something because they don't want to bother him. I like to drive God crazy, man. With the <laughs> I'm, I don't mind bothering God. He asked. He said, you ask and you can have it. You believe it, and then by faith you receive it, and you start telling people about it. My whole life's been like, I was seeking some property. I wanted to build a building. I started talking about that property, that building that was going to be on that property. And I talked it enough till it became reality, and we saw that building. I tell you what, I bought a picture one time of three, of four elephants, and it reminded me of a family. And I brought it and put it at my house. And I said, one day I'm going to hang this picture in a new, brand new building. And we built another brand new building, and it was fabulous, unbelievable, beautiful building. And when the office was finished and everything was finished in the church, because of that picture, I walked in with that picture and the wall that I was going to put it on. I, I did all that because I saw that picture and was inspired by God to do this. I hung it on the wall. I stepped back and I went, there. There it is. Amen. Isn't it amazing how little things like that can spur you yes. and inspire you? And so other people can't see it, but you can see it, you know. I preach a message, faith when you can't see nothing, but that's somewhere else. Number three, let me see the time. I'm doing good so far. Number three, not only do you believe it, receive it, expect it, start looking for it. It's going to happen. You got God's favor on your life. When I go to the mall, I'm going to get the best parking pot spot there. I tell people in my car, watch this. God didn't want me parking in the back of the mall. Yeah, I don't like to walk that much, you know. Hey, when I go, you y'all have Piccadillys up here? It's kind of like a cafeteria line. You go through a line and they put food on your plate, you know. And so uh, we have that in South Louisiana. And when I get to the catfish, I tell somebody, watch this. I'll take the catfish and the lady will just look around with her fork and everything and put the two biggest pit pieces on my plate. And I'll look at the person and I'll go, favor. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Happened at the hotel two days in a row. What they did for me over there. I wanted an apple and a banana. They went and found me an apple and a banana. I went to pay for it. I said, no charge. Somebody said, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, it is something. I expect it to happen. There it was. Believe it. You receive it. You expect it. And you have to declare over your life God's flavor and his blessing. Philippians 4.19. The only way you can lose it. Now, you've got to get this because I'm through. The only way that you can lose it is you go talk yourself out of it when you walk out that door. Because Slewfoot is just waiting out there. And he says, you're not worthy of that. You can't have that. He, that preacher doesn't know what you're going through. That's right, I don't. I don't need to know. God needs to know, right? But if you go out there and you start cursing your own self, that's the doctrine of Balaam. They curse their own selves. And if you look at the Bible, there are self-inflicted curses. And the main one is you begin to talk with your own word. You create disaster or you create a tremendous dynamic future. You say you never have trouble? Yeah, we all have trouble. But you know what? We can walk ourselves out of it. And you start using your words. And I'm fanatical about the words, just like when the doctor was trying to put these words on me. I mean, I'm not stupid enough to think, well, well you know, you, you can't admit certain. But I, I tell you what. I, got, I had to get fanatical or I'd be dead today. And uh, I couldn't be here. 
you know, and I couldn't have had, where'd we eat? Oh, Kid Rock, yeah, yeah. We ate at Kid Rock, so I'd been dead, I would have missed that, I'd been bad. You want it? You want it? You want the life? It's yours. You just got to go live it out there. That's where you're going to live it. It's easy living in here. But when you get out there, you're going to have a, so many choices and opportunities to either, he said that first verse I read, read you, to live under the curse or live under the blessing. He said, oh, that you would choose the blessing. Oh, his, in Deuteronomy, he loved, that you would just, just seek it out and find the blessing in your life. This isn't some like uh, hyped up, uh, mega faith. This is just good, clean, strong living for Christians. And God wants us to live that way. I believe it. And God wants you to live that way. I want you to ask you to bow your head with me one moment. I'm not going to ask you to come here, but I came from South Louisiana. And I first want to ask if there's someone in this room... I'm going to ask you to come forward. I would love to pray for you, though. You really don't have a relationship with the Lord. And uh, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. It's two entirely different things. When you have a relationship with God, it's exciting, it's tremendous, it's incredible. Maybe you're in here and you say, uh, Brother Scott, would you just pray for me that God would bless me, that God would save me, I want to give my life to Christ. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. If you're in here, okay? Who else would raise their hand and say, that's me? My life's going to change today. Anyone else would just lift their hand right quick? This is your moment, your time in history right now that you would give your life to Christ. Maybe you've just kind of grown cold with the Lord. You just don't have your fire anymore, but you'd like to say, you know, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to just, not only just come back, I'm going to move forward in God. Who would just say, pray for me that my relationship with the Lord would just be stronger and I'd have my fire back, my, my, my just passion to serve God with all my heart. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down. Mm-hmm. Who else would lift their hand? That's me. Pray for me. I want to pray for those people. And then I want to pray for everyone in this congregation today. And uh, I believe something's going to happen. So let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, come into my life as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are alive. I believe I am forgiven of my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. So I confess with my mouth that I am saved in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, give the Lord a good hand clap right now, huh? So I want to pray the power of the blessing over your life right now. I, won't we all stand up? And You know, I kind of like to raise my hands up to receive something from God. And I even really don't know what I'm going to pray right now. But we're just, I just started off and just prayed this over you. Because if I'm... 
and I am the overseer of this church, then I have delegated authority from God to be able to pray the blessing over you. I'm not anything special. It's just the way God did things, like parents could do the same thing with their children. So I want to pray for you. And let's just believe God together that we will never, ever, ever be the same. Things are going to change, and God's going to use us to do great things in this community. This community needs Revolution Church. Y'all ready to receive that? Let's lift our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for bringing me to this church today. And God, I believe this was a divine plan by you from the very beginning of time, God, that you would have this group of people here today to hear this word, God, and you would put the power of the supernatural blessing and favor of God over their life. God, I pray that everything they lay their hands to shall prosper. God, I pray that they be in health, Father, that they have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes all understanding. God, that you would give them such faith for their children. We plead the blood of Jesus over our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. God, we pray for our, our, our relationships, our marriages, Father, that you would cause us to be more in love than ever before, Lord. We thank you for the church here that is the lighthouse of this area and for areas all around this state. And Lord only knows what you're going to do here. You have the, the nucleus of the people to do it, God. And I'm asking you to empower them, God, and give them the greatest life they could have ever expected. I speak the power of the blessing over them right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody shout it. Come on, give the Lord the best shout you got right now.